0: Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499 3 K L I N.
1: Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host, glad to have you along it is uh boy we are uh, roaring into the springtime here finally got some wetness this week some water uh my wife just planted trees so it came just at the right time what a good thing uh here's some baseball this weekend if you look for me in section 103 uh well you'd have to know what i look like but if you if you do look you're gonna probably see me there because I'm, I'm i'm a big baseball guy let's see if these uh this team can Straighten it out a little bit, get on the uh, the winning path. They need to get hot that 's what they need and no team like the gophers to help you get your game back in order let 's do it. go big red uh this saturday it is uh i was I was trying to figure out uh who I could coerce into being on the program and uh, i've I spent a couple of hours drinking coffee with uh jason kirsch and uh and i and i I, I kind of strong armed him. And said, Jason, you're going to come in here and you're going to talk on the radio about stuff that we both have in common that we're very interested in. And Jason said... Yeah, you twisted my arm successfully. When do you need me? <laughs> All right. That's, that's the right answer. I that, thought so. That's the answer I love. That's right. Uh, Jason is with a group called the uh, Nebraska Christian Leaders Forum. And uh, we're going to get into the Nebraska Christian Leaders Forum and, and what your mission is there and what you've been doing. But first... Got to let the listeners know a little bit about who you are as a person. Jason, where did you grow up? I grew up in Norfolk, so about two hours north of here.
2: Ooh. Yeah. So actually out in the country between Norfolk and Battle Creek, but I'm a Norfolk high
1: graduate. Okay. You just grew up on a farm then?
2: Uh, No. Grew up on uh, a lot was a half an acre, but we had a lot of farms around us. So Mm -hmm. that's my background was helping the neighbors on their farms during the summer. So
1: gotcha. Did uh lot, did you have an acre? So did you have some chores or not?
2: Uh, more chores at the neighbors, so that the neighbor uh, kids that we were friends with could go play yeah. than we did at our, at our house. But yeah, uh-huh. we we didn't have any
1: animals or anything. So okay, okay. The, I now like everybody who grew up not in the city, you probably put up hay.
2: Uh oh, yes, yes, we did. Uh, <laughs> helped the neighbors uh, with the square bales and throwing those up onto the wagon and. All that stuff that makes you uh, really good and strong and a good uh, Cornhusker uh, walk-on, which I never did, but
0: uh-huh. I think that's
2: kind of the the uh, history is all the walk-on program was these farm kids, correct? Yeah, you know? yeah, So, yeah, I have that in my in my background.
1: Did Did you play any sports up there in Norfolk?
2: In in high school, I wrestled and ran track. Ooh, uh, yeah. So I know this is radio and you can't see me, but I was not built the same way when I was in high school. <laughs> I wrestled 119 pounds. No way. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: I mean, you know, you're you're a, you're a healthy man there. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I grew a little in height and in uh, in, in girth. <laughs>
1: 100, 119. I'm trying to think of when I weighed 119 pounds. We'd have to go back to like fifth grade or something like that.
2: Yeah, I think I finished around 135 in my wrestling career, uh-huh. but. Yeah, that that was kind of the yeah. the weight range that I wrestled in. So yeah, yeah,
1: we we know some, we have some friends up in the old Norfolk area there, uh, and uh, we used to visit Grandpa up there. He was a veterans' home up there. Um, when you're in Norfolk, I mean Norfolk is one of the uh, it's it's one of the kind of second tier after Lincoln and Omaha. You get you you get your Grand Island, your Hastings, your Norfolk, your Carney, Carney, yeah, those kind of places. Uh, there is it most everything you need in Fork, or or you, did you look forward to the trips to the big city?
2: Well, it was, wasn't that we came to the big city because you're you're kind of a long ways from the big city yeah. up there. You are the big city, yeah. even at you know twenty something thousand. Yep. Um, so yeah, we didn't uh, didn't really do many trips to the big city, but ended up you know moving here to Lincoln years ago mm-hmm. because we needed to to come to a bigger city.
1: So, gotcha, gotcha. There. Uh, by the way, if you wanted, if you did need something that norfolk didn't have did you go to sioux city or did you go to omaha or?
2: uh yeah usually it was omaha uh sioux city isn't well i don't think it's that much larger than norfolk oh gotcha because the next kind of the next similar size uh communities would have been yankton and south dakota gotcha sioux city columbus which is actually probably a little smaller yep. so yeah, yeah but yeah, all about the same right. distance so. yeah what
1: brought you to lincoln then
2: uh, actually, my wife uh, and I got married shortly after she got out of college, and uh, for her degree, there wasn't very many opportunities in in uh, Norfolk, and so we decided that uh, I could get a, a job just about anywhere, uh, but she needed to be working someplace where they were having staff graphic designers, and she did have a job for uh, a few months in Norfolk, uh, but realized that the pay was not uh, comparable uh to what her degree should have been affording her so we discussed Lincoln or Omaha and uh Omaha was uh too big of a city type of a city mm-hmm. uh where Lincoln is much more of a small town city uh so we we've been here now for quite a uh,
1: quite a few years in Lincoln so yes by by the way that is the uh, that is the riddle of Lincoln isn't it because everybody it's like oh it's, a, it's just like a small town right but it's it's kind of not but it kind of is
2: uh yeah well it has a small town feel yeah. but still at i think what is it i heard something about almost 100 square miles mm so geographically we're laid out in a big area of lincoln but it does have a small town feel
1: yeah so when you when you came from from Fork, then to lincoln uh, i'm always curious too because there's, a lot of people say this about lincoln you oh, know it's a big small town and everything what were what were some of the specific things about lincoln that made that that seemed familiar or seemed like oh yeah i'm I'm used to this kind of life well, I spent some
2: time at uh, Southeast in milford uh okay. so i spent uh did a two year program over there doing in construction mm-hmm. and uh so I was fairly familiar with Lincoln because when you're going to school in Milford mm-hmm. uh there is nothing uh really <laughs> to do in in Milford, especially on the weekends when the yeah. campus shuts down mm-hmm. so i i had had spent two years uh you know coming into Lincoln to do things. So it wasn't so much of a shock for me coming from Norfolk to here when I'd already been in Milford and mm-hmm. spent time in Lincoln. Uh, so yeah, I don't know that there was a whole lot that when we when we moved I wasn't already uh, somewhat exposed to mm. for the city.
1: Now I know that uh, you mentioned the, the uh, construction degree, and uh, you know, uh, my wife has a deep appreciation <laughs> for for people who who understand and practice construction. Uh, <laughs> I think if she could adjust me in any particular way, it would be that I had more capacity in that regard uh what 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 do you when you're when you're doing a project a, what kind of projects do you enjoy the most
2: well my my background is as a trim carpenter mm. uh, so i spent oh quite no a... you
1: just went even up another uh, notch yeah in my, my wife's estimation yeah so yeah.
2: so uh, not necessarily that i enjoy them the most but um i, I spent an awful lot of time doing finish work and mm. fine detail work ran a cabinet shop for for some time Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that would be kind of the uh, uh, kind of my sweet spot for for hands-on type of a mm-hmm. project would be uh, doing some of the detail-oriented mm-hmm. uh, type of construction work.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of which, I, we both know somebody else who was a carpenter, and uh, although we don't know what kind of carpenter, I'm sure a very good one. Uh, how did you? Uh, one of the things I've been asking people when they come in, especially mostly pastors, but uh, how did you come to know Jesus?
0: Well, that's,
2: uh, that's an interesting story. Um, it, was, it was several different aspects to that. Growing up, I uh, attended a Christian uh, grade school. Mm. Uh, so I went from K through 8th grade in Norfolk at, uh, at a Christian elementary school and had that as a background and you know learned what was expected to, to be part of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say I really came to the Lord uh, somewhere around the time where I spent a couple years in the military, and uh it was around some guys that i began to see them really walk out what their faith looked like mm. and uh you know going through uh through training and different things with the the military and with those guys began to understand uh you know teamwork and discipleship and and what that looked like of real camaraderie but the lord was really using that to open my eyes to the uh the way that i had been living and how even in necessarily a, a situation where it might not be um Christian or godly being in the military, mm. uh, that there, there was guys who were living their faith well. And, uh, they, they witnessed quite a lot uh, to me. Mm. And then, uh, you know, around that time, uh, had some, some friends and business associates that I was in relationship with that were, were very, uh, influential in, in, uh, you know, calling me to a, a path of following the Lord. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so it was with them and actually attended a service with them and, Lord really convicted me. Uh, and I, I can say that's really where things began to, to change mm. as I surrendered my life uh, to the Lord instead of being Lord of my own life and doing what I wanted to do. Mm. And it's been an interesting process walking that out ever since.
1: Yes, yes. Isn't that the truth? There, uh, it's funny. Everybody's story in, is a little bit different, a little bit unique, but of course, everybody's story is essentially the same. At, at some point, you woke up and said, I can't do this. I need Jesus and uh and that's a uh, that's a beautiful thing, yeah, yeah
2: yeah, well, I, I was really good at making a mess out of things on my own.
1: <laughs> I'm still pretty good.
2: I, I have my days, believe me, yeah, yes yeah,
1: we're going to take a first break when we come back then I want to hear I want to know what the Nebraska Christian Leaders Forum is, and why the heck you decided I'm going to invest a bunch of time love and energy into this sound good sounds good all right it's a friendly fire Saturday uh, talking with Jason Kirsch here from the Nebraska Christian Leaders Forum and it's it's good to have you along uh, keep it right where your radio right where it is and we'll be right back here on the voice of Lincoln 14993,
0: 3 KLIN keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil this is friendly fire with Stu Kurtz on the voice of Lincoln 1499 3
1: Hey, Welcome back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday. Talking with Jason Kirsch. He is uh, the coordinator. What is, what's what's term you like? Uh, facilitator. Facilitator. I like that. That's good. He's the facilitator for the Nebraska Christian Leaders Forum, and uh, I've used that that phrase a couple of times there. What what exactly is the Nebraska Christian Leaders Forum?
2: Well, it's kind of the who, what, and where. Okay. Uh, we're in Nebraska, and All we're right. we're working with Christian leaders, and the forum is a place, a platform. Where we uh, can have discussion, we can have those mm. those uh, conversations that need to take be taking place as as the body of Christ.
1: Yeah, and then and so we've we've gotten a little bit acquainted here, had coffee a few times, and yep. and worked on a, uh, worked on a project here. We'll talk we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, uh, why is it important? I've i much of my career has been dedicated to trying to network pastors together and get them together. And uh, and you're one of the few guys who's a click younger than me who has even more passion for this, and, and is working uh, really hard uh, to connect pastors not just in Lincoln but in other places. What other places are you working across the state? All, all across the state. So we're
2: we're looking at the cities uh, primarily for for starting, mm-hmm. and so over the last several years we've been connecting with leaders in you know Kearney and Grand Island, North Platte, Scotts Bluff, Columbus, mm-hmm. Lincoln, Omaha. Mm-hmm. So,
1: so what was it? What was it that, that made you say, you know, this is super important that pastors are have a forum where they can be connected and network together?
2: Well, it was during COVID that we we started, and I had been uh, on a on a missions trip, uh, did overseas work for quite a few years, still do. Um, came back during uh, the end of March of 2020 and realized that I wasn't going to be traveling for a while because Corona shut everything down. Actually, that was a week after the travel ban was was in effect. And began to to just pray about what the Lord had for next steps ministry-wise for me, and uh, realized uh, quite quickly that there were some things that the Lord was putting on my heart that were uh, out of the norm, I should say, because we, we had not been talking about them. I hadn't been hearing other ministries sharing about what the things was that the Lord was showing me in Scripture and so my my passion came was uh basically from the question of what does it look like uh when Jesus builds his church he said that he will build his church and what does that look like where we have a we have a pattern and an example in the new testament of what the first century church looked like and now 2000 years later what do we have that's different and what is it that the lord was wanting to uh reestablish or or uh or bring to our attention in that process and so that was one of the uh the key questions that i was pondering and praying through of uh what did it look like when the when the church of the new testament was uh, leaders of the church but the church was all the believers in a city mm. and so the the thought became if we look at churches as congregations uh, how do we function as the church of, say, Ephesus or Corinth in a modern day, you know, 2020 at that time, 2020 uh, type of a of a function for the church? And began to realize that uh, the first thing was that the early church, they all knew each other as leaders in their city. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can lay out in, in the scriptures in the different cities who was there, who was leading, what their gifting was, whether they were teachers or pastors or apostles or prophets or whatever, and began to realize that uh we were we become quite disconnected uh into our different groupings um without much exposure to each other and the second part of that being then the early church was having a lot of conversations around the issues of the day you get into the first and second century, they were discussing how to handle the the issue of the undesirable babies being abandoned on the mountain to die, and you know the church had a great witness because the church leaders were having these discussions in, in Greece and saying, well, this is a issue uh, that face us as a society. How does the church respond? And I did not see these things taking place, but as the Lord was putting on my heart, hey, I want to build my church. It's not just the 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 four walls and the pastors leading their congregation. It's, it's all of us as the body of Christ together.
1: Mm-hmm. That uh, it is very, very difficult uh, to re- recognize because of our own um, cultural blind spots Uh, but one of the things i try to tell my congregation on a regular basis is 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 we look around the facility we have and it's a beautiful facility and just uh and i i tell them very bluntly this is a luxury and uh there isn't the church not just the early church but churches all over the world function with minimal or no facilities right it's true and so and then the the, the second thing i try to tell them is that uh, now the and this is a little (laughs) a little more personal i said you realize that I'm a luxury, and that is that you pay a full-time person to lead the congregation. In fact, you pay a few to do that. And so that if we ever had to say, oh, is the church going to have to shut down? Well, it might have to shut down for a lot of reasons, but it should never shut down because it doesn't have a facility or it doesn't have a full-time paid pastor. Those things are actually luxuries. It's true. Uh, So is that that overstating it, or is that... uh,
2: no, I think I think that's a fair assessment. Um, having been involved and in having a relationship with ministers all over the world, um, began to realize that a lot of what we do in the United States for church is not what church looks like in the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, 85% of the church globally is in a house church structure, mm-hmm. where, like you said, they may have a pastor, they may have a lead but it's not somebody who's a full-time vocational minister. Um and we we have a, a little different model of how we we do church in in the United States or in the west. Uh so yeah, I would I would say that's a fair assessment uh, yeah. what you present to the congregation.
1: Yeah. And and it doesn't make it wrong, it doesn't mean it's wrong, but it does make it a potential idol. And that this is something that we think is is essential when in an act in in reality it's it's not essential. It's it's a it's a blessing. It's a gift, it's a luxury, but uh, but understanding the difference between a luxury <laughs> and an essential is 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 pretty important. Uh, what is it that, uh, do you, as you're as you're having coffee and networking, and getting to know uh, guys, do you do you sense that need to be more connected? And and if so, in in what ways connected?
2: Well, absolutely. I think uh, it's not even a sense. It's actually what I'm being told uh, mm. by by pastors and by leaders and we're working not just with pastors and ministry leaders but leaders in the body of Christ. So if there's a if there's someone leading uh, and they're a Christian and they're living out their faith in a in a capacity publicly or you know leading a a, a business or serving in government, those are people we're connecting with also.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um so yeah, I I think that uh that is definitely uh something that that is is needed is that connection. The thing I hear the most when I talk to leaders is that uh, they feel alone. They feel mm-hmm. isolated. Um, you know, leadership is always a a lonely endeavor or can be a lonely endeavor. You know, the, the person leading usually is not able to share all of the burdens that they experience as a leader with their staff or their employees or, or their, their uh, subordinates. And they really need peers. They need those who are going through the same thing and experiencing the same thing to be able to support them. I mean, that's the ministry we have as believers one to another.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, everyone knows that COVID was tough in a variety of ways. But uh, again, my understanding of the stats related to pastors and COVID is that it's been brutal that uh, there are a number of uh, pastors leaving ministry and uh, uh, and that, again, uh church church struggles uh you know all over is that pretty much what you're hearing
2: yeah it is and i I've, I've seen the the statistics of north of 30% have left during covid left the ministry altogether and then i think the number was more than 60% that had considered leaving the ministry mm. which could mean that they're probably they could still be considering uh leaving the ministry so it is it is tough and i think that uh you being being separated and and not having the relational connections we need with other leaders actually um is is one of the issues that could help alleviate some of those those challenges and struggles that we have as pastors and leaders
1: yeah, I want to develop that thought just a little bit more because I know meeting with pastors um there uh there again there are unique things that uh that pastoral ministry brings on and uh you're 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 uh, breaking bread and sipping coffee with a lot of a lot of a lot of folks who have a lot of stories and uh, and I so I'm just curious as to whether there uh, after the break if there are some uh, themes that you kind of are regularly hearing as you as you talk to people in ministry is that okay absolutely all right it's a friendly fire Saturday talking with Jason Kirsch he is uh, the facilitator. I got that right this time, of the Nebraska Christian Leaders Forum. And we're glad to have you along on
0: 1,499.3 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns. 1,499.3 KLIN.
1: Rolling right along on a Saturday morning. This is a Friendly Fire talking with uh, Jason Kirsch. He's the facilitator. Uh, for I'm going to call him the lead facilitator. The uh, for the I use that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go the Nebraska Christian Leaders Forum and uh, networking pastors bringing pastors together this is near and dear to my heart I've spent a good chunk of my career trying to do the same thing in, in my own way uh, Jason is probably much more organized and systematic about it and and is and is shooting for a much broader scope of reach here uh, really not just Lincoln but Nebraska in a variety of ways. And so as you're meeting with uh, tons of pastors again, uh, I think most of them have a sense that that connection is good and so forth. But what are some of the things that, uh, what are some of the themes as as you're having coffee and having lunch and so forth with pastors from really across the state, not just Lincoln, what are some of the themes you're hearing from them about uh, life, ministry, uh, the the, the blessings, the challenges?
2: Uh, Busy. I mean mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the word that we have as a society for the last I don't know how many years is yeah. is busy. Mm-hmm. Um I I really hear the the theme being shared of of so many responsibilities and so many things to do. Um uh, I was in a group pastors meeting uh, about a week ago and one of the pastors says, "Yeah, it doesn't really matter if you have 400 people in your church or or 40.
0: Mm-hmm. You can
2: get very busy in caring for your church and pastoring your church." and uh i think that's one of the main themes is that there is a lot of work to do and uh you know we've we've engaged in in technology over the last 10 20 years uh they're supposed to make our lives easier but i think what really has done is actually uh, made us more separate and more isolated and mm. so uh, you know part of that is that that increases the need we have for for ministering to people and developing community and so I would say that's that's kind of a theme that uh, that continues to come up as I meet with pastors and we talk about you know what are they experiencing as a church where do they where are they needing uh things what what does their ministry look like as far as uh you know being able to connect with the people in their church but also be able to connect with those in the community and it's just a a lack of time and and, uh, and resources which leads them to, to being extremely busy
1: one of the and one of the challenges is so hey we need to get together we need to you need fellowship you need encouragement from peers which we know is true but then you just as you just said then oh man I'm busy you know I don't know how to do it. so you um, how do you how do you cajole people into hey give it a try give it we need to get some space I mean I would you know i I've already got several things on my calendar, so I haven't really been a, much of what you've been doing other than cheerleading a little bit here um, but but so I get it but how do you how do you get people over the hump uh
2: Somebody told me uh when we were beginning, I said you know people see the value of what it is you do or what it is that they were doing. Mm-hmm. They said, but uh the value alone is not something that's going to draw them we have to we have to help them make it a priority mm. And so, you know, helping in part of the, what we're doing is having a conversation is helping uh, the pastors and different leaders prioritize uh, that, that relational time. That's that time of uh, you need to be ministered to as a pastor, just mm-hmm. as much as you, you're pouring out in ministry. Yeah. Uh, and in some ways, even more because of what you experience in ministry. Um, so it's just it's a matter of, of you know, how do we prioritize the, the regular times that we have together? How do we prioritize Having coffee and really, uh, really sharing what's going on in our lives uh, to be able to be a support to each other.
1: Yeah. Now, okay. So things we have in common. Uh, okay, it's a Christian leaders forum, so we're Christians, followers of Christ. Uh, they're pastors, probably solo or lead pastors or, 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 or so forth. Um, but what? Okay, what keeps us apart is a part of also the, what makes this sometimes hard, right? Is because I've got my doctrine, you've got your doctrine, and and so once we get beyond kind of, uh, Jesus Christ, son of God, savior of sinners, then sometimes we can struggle with all those other teachings that, uh, that separate us apart. How do you, uh, you can't complete, well, with some people you'll never bridge that gap. It's just their, their differences are, are that much, they're so important to them that they won't.
2: Or they don't want to. Yeah. Yes.
1: But what, when you do find that people are willing to, what is it that makes them say, Hey, it's not like I've compromise what i believe but i realize it's it's not essential
2: well it's it's being able to hold on to our our theology our doctrines and and not having those be the center point of everything that we're doing mm-hmm. we have to be able to come together and what we endeavor to do is to come together as people and come together as believers, and having Jesus be the center of of what we gather around, because we could gather around all sorts of different ideas mm-hmm. and programs and uh, you know different philosophies, mm-hmm. uh, but really, really coming together around Jesus and uh, you know the work of the cross, and that mm-hmm. if we can agree on on the what I call the majors, we major on the majors, and we leave everything else as secondary, um, then we can really. Uh, Avoid a lot of those things that have divided us around doctrine and theology. I, I encourage uh, the guys when we meet and when we gather not to avoid those topics, but go into those conversations with the understanding of we're going to have this just so that we come to a an understanding of where each of us is at, but we don't break our relationships over these secondary issues.
1: Mm-hmm. And for I'm and again you. I'm not sure how much you have an opinion on this, but it, it just seems to me like, uh, again, in a culture like American culture, most of Western culture, we we love options and choices, and so we uh, we uh, you know have it isn't just that I want to be Presbyterian or Lutheran, and so I've got to be my brand, and I've got it's all got to be very specific, right? And um, and I remember the one trip I took to Kenya. Uh, I it was I think it was Church of Christ. I'm not sure they love Jesus. Uh, they, we sang praise to Jesus, and I felt at home. Uh, it didn't really make that much difference. Is that, is that, again, kind of a Western thing, or or is that a, a worldwide thing where it's just, I'm, I'm so partisan, I can't really appreciate other branches of Christ's church?
2: I've seen it in Africa where there's some division amongst the, the different groupings of, of believers. Um, but really, you know, if you're, if you're looking at it of uh, what's our mission— instead of, and how do we come together to accomplish what the Lord gave us to do instead of, okay, well, where do we disagree so we can stay separate? Mm-hmm. I think that's really kind of where it boils down mm-hmm. uh, to, to what's, re- what's really important and where does the rubber meet the road.
1: Yeah. those. Uh, speaking of which, going all the way back, uh, you're reminding me of then uh, you mentioned in uh, in the military. Which branch were you in, by the way?
2: I was in the Guard, so I was in the Army. Okay, yeah. okay,
1: great. The, uh, so these guys, they're... Um, you're living life with them, you're in the service with them. They' um uh, w- what was it about the way that you interacted with them that made you say I'm going to listen to these guys?
2: Well, see see now you you're you're going back to something that's that's not going to be the most uh glowing review of myself, but uh actually the what I saw in these guys was uh it came from my time of being in worship with them. Because uh, we would have a worship service in the military, and it was a general, non-denominational Christian service. Mm-hmm. Well, if you had a specific denomination, you could go to that specific service, which mm. uh, we did because we were unsupervised. So I went for the unsupervised. We could make a side trip to get pizza, ah. uh, but when I was in the serv- in the in the uh, Christian service with these. These Pentecostal believers, which as not mm-hmm. my was not my background, mm-hmm. I really saw them worship and really saw their heart just to to worship the Lord in a way that I had never never seen before and so even though I might not have had the purest of motives of hanging out with these guys <laughs> uh you know they they weren't going to send a drill sergeant with us to supervise five men. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when we took a little bit of advantage, uh, it was something the Lord really used, yeah. uh, just to, to broaden my horizons of what was, uh, what was being, being done in different groupings of Christianity.
1: Yeah. And to this day, if you want to get together high school students, college students, or evidently military guys, you throw some pizza at them. Yeah, it, it does work. It yes. does. <laughs> <laughs> it hardly ever fails, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that That is amazing. Oh, uh, so, uh, well, we're going to take one more break, and when we come back, I want to. You have. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful to you because you've picked up something that we had started years ago, and it 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 lied dormant, and uh, and it got uh, got a little restart. Uh, this past year, and I want to talk about that. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. I'm talking with Jason Kirsch. He's a facilitator here for the Nebraska Christian Leaders Forum, and it truly is across the state here. And uh, g- glad to have you along. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday here on 1499 3 KLIN.
0: Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN.
1: We're back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Jason Kirsch. He is the facilitator for the Nebraska Christian Leaders Forum, and uh, Jason. At that time of the program, where we always do a shameless plug. So I say, "Oh, we'll plug away." Well,
2: I have I have quite a few. Oh, do them all. All right, we we'll do them one. all. Well, the first one is the local church. Yeah, love the local church, and there's so Preach many it. great churches, especially here in Lincoln. Yeah, uh, it's been very interesting getting to know all these different pastors and ministry leaders. I have people ask me all the time, "What church should I attend?" And I said, well, what are you looking for? And and what's your what are your I, I get to know them a little bit and what are your ministry needs? And I can point them in the direction of where I really feel that they would fit mm-hmm. and be ministered and and being mm-hmm. able to be part of the body of Christ. So local church, first plug. Second plug, Thursday is National Day of Prayer. Ooh. So National Day of Prayer activities all across the state here in Lincoln will be at the state capitol in the Rotunda at noon. Mm-hmm. Nebraska Family Alliance is uh, leading that with Governor and uh and the some of the legislators there will be be part of that so that's an open to the public uh event and then uh all of these different ministries uh, serving in different uh capacities here in the in the city uh whether it be city impact or child evangelism fellowship or youth for christ or christian heritage there's so many ways that the uh believers and uh, those of us who are christian can serve in a in a christian ministry capacity outside of the four walls uh we have we have links to all all sorts of things that are going on in the city on our Facebook page. Wow. So if you look up Nebraska Christian Leaders Forum on Facebook, there's things being posted regularly. Just a, about a week ago, we did a a training for the with the Lincoln Chaplaincy Corps on trauma and opened that up to pastors and believers mm-hmm. in the city to be able to to uh, look at what is what is trauma. How do we address trauma? How do we process trauma as believers? And mm-hmm. and how do we come uh, come to a place where we can minister to those who've been involved in trauma? Mm-hmm. So we we have all sorts of things that we could we could give a shameless plug to.
1: So Yeah, I like all of that. The uh so uh, yeah, I don't know the listeners there a lot of them have the are on Facebook, so uh, check out the Facebook page. And uh yeah, I will uh one little shameless plug for myself here. Uh I'm going to be on a little bit of a church sabbatical, a pastor sabbatical. So uh, but I'm going to still plan it on being here on Saturday mornings. Uh Dan Alberts will will sub in a couple of times there, but uh, I'm going to do some writing and uh there are some stories after 33 years at one church that <laughs> that I'm the only one who knows them. So we're going to dust off all the skeletons look in the attic and the in the basement and and uh, get some get some good stories and pictures and slap them together and I think uh I and my mother and maybe somebody in the church will be interested in it someday. So you won't find it at Barnes and Noble. You'll have to <laughs> you'll have to ask. But uh we got by the way, one sample of the good stories. This goes back to the Old Zion. Um there used there was a mural in the Old Zion and it was done by a guy in the name of Manrose was his last name and he was a, a actually painted circus tents and things in the day. Okay. And he did this this big mural and as the story goes, uh he had a bit of a drinking issue. And the pastor at the time wanted to get him, he couldn't, he had the shakes and couldn't quite get through this thing. And so the pastor went ahead and bought him a little, a little whiskey so that he could get rid of the shakes and finish the mural. So it isn't exactly a Michelangelo story, but, uh, uh, but that, uh, <laughs> and we always had to tell people it was, it was John, the apostle John who had a vision of the new heavens and the new earth. And of course, everybody always thought that was Jesus up there. And so you had to remind him, no, 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 it's not Jesus. That's the Isle of Patmos and the Apostle John, and he's seeing the new heavens and new earth, and it had to kind of explain things. But yeah. at least once a year, it came in handy for as a teaching tool. So you could, you know, if you were talking about the new heavens and new earth right. or, or something that was written by John, <laughs> there you go. So, sorry, a long discourse there. Um, okay, we, years ago, and this is many years ago, uh, something got started where we tried to draw the church leaders together to pray. It was first called the Lincoln Leaders Prayer Summit and then later just branded as The Summit. And uh, the idea, again, was just to take 24, 48 hours, get uh, Christian leaders together, uh, all every stripe of Christian leader, but to get them together to pray and encourage one another. And COVID hits, life hits, and that's kind of dormant. And then you expressed an interest in doing something like that, and I said, we already kind of had something like that, and you uh, pretty much revived it. Uh, and that was just this last year. Uh, yeah, a few months ago. How did, I, I was not there. I hope to be there next time, but uh, tell me about uh, how that went.
2: Well, we, we, uh, we had several of the pastors who had participated in, in years past ask if it was something that we could do again. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was an interest, so of course I had to go check into what was done, so I knew what they were talking about. And so, yeah, when you and I had talked, uh, it was something that uh, prayer is uh, at the heart of of what we want to see be taking place, one, so that we connect with the heart of God, but Mm -hmm. we also really connect and get to know each other when we hear each other pray. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was something that uh, a group of us said, hey, yeah, if, if, uh, Jason, if you'll, if you'll pull it together and do the administrative part and organize it, yeah, let's let's try and do that again. So in February we did we uh, we got away a group of pastors for 24 hours and we just had an amazing time of of prayer and fellowship together and uh, yeah we will be doing another one because that was uh, very well received and and. Uh, yeah, I think it was a blessing to everyone who was there.
1: Mm-hmm. And this, we've done in the past different places. Usually they've been up in uh, the St. Benedict Center up in uh, Schuyler. Right. Uh, the facility's still working well for those kind of events?
2: Yeah, it was great. Uh, and that was suggested by some of the, the past participants also who, even even now they had said, well, it was such a great facility. We have our, I have my individual retreat there. My mm. my individual uh, prayer retreat every year. Uh, they go and just have time alone. Uh, and they said, so yeah, we love the facility. So it's nice because it's not so far, but it's, uh, it's far enough that you don't get drawn back into what's going on in the church at home yeah. uh, very easily and, and just be able to disconnect for some time just to, uh, be, able to be able to seek the Lord together and, and
1: pray together and minister to each other. Yes. Back, back in the good old days. They didn't. They did not have Wi-Fi, and they did not. And they didn't even really have very good cell reception. Well, the cell
2: reception hasn't improved. The first night there was an issue with at one of the churches, and we had a pastor doing the Lion King uh, impression through the parking lot, trying to find a signal. And and you know we finally told him there is Wi-Fi. So. Oh, so it did a Wi Fi call. We finally did figure out the Wi Fi and yeah, did a Wi Fi call. Okay,
1: from the parking lot, if you look to the uh, southwest up the hill there, there there's actually a bench up there on the hill. Benched... Isn't just for cell yes, reception. <laughs> it was it was installed for cell reception. Well, we were there in February, so no one was exploring that much outside. That's uh, that's probably a good point. <laughs> but that was it was hilarious. People would walk all over there with, with the hand in the air and looking for the, looking at the bars and all yep. that kind of stuff. Yep. And then they finally, uh, well, finally now they have decent Wi-Fi on the inside of the place. But yeah, it was hilarious. Sometimes people don't think about. Uh, Okay, yeah, I'll go on a group retreat or something, but but it, they're really well set up just for individual personal retreats. That's true.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We had actually there were several people who were there doing personal uh retreats while we were doing our group retreat.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. That's uh, uh I I you know many people don't think about that. It's pretty reasonable. It's not very expensive. Yeah. Uh it,
2: it was quite reasonable and, and the it, food is amazing that they serve. It, it is amazing, isn't it? And So I'm, you you go for the isolation not necessarily to fast.
1: Yes. No, you don't want to do that. <laughs> That's oh man, they it, it, there's there's some good country uh food up there. There is. And it's a buffet style, so you can you you you'll get full. If you don't, it's your own fault. That's right. That is right. Uh just got about three minutes left. Uh what are some of the things as you think about the future, uh what are some of the next steps for uh the forum here?
2: Oh my. Well, there's all sorts of things that we're working on. Um, you know, as we do relationship connection work, and as we we do prayer gatherings, um, we're regularly putting on trainings and equippings for different topics. So I think I referenced earlier, we did a training on trauma Mm -hmm. earlier. We did a training in the fall for pastors and and leaders uh, on identifying uh, sex trafficking Mm. Uh, it's something that happens underneath our noses, especially with electronic trafficking and things that go on. Mm. Uh, just really wanting to to uh, develop more in what we offer for helping the body of Christ become equipped in areas that uh, most of the the pastors and, and church leaders aren't thinking about uh, because it's not necessarily something that's a specific spiritual issue, but it's definitely relevant to how we walk out being salt and light in society and engaging the the community around us and our neighbors. So Mm -hmm. that's really one of the things that we want to do is develop uh, what we're able to do for leaders, but just for believers to be able to live out their faith in a practical way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah, we, boy, do we all need equipping in all these kinds of areas? Uh, Is there, is, uh, is there an adequate uh, trauma presence uh, uh, in the city for, with clergy or is that something that really needs to develop there's so many
2: different ministry areas and trauma just being one of them where we really we really could use more uh, more workers you know luke luke 10:2 the lord would send workers into the harvest mm-hmm. uh, i was in a meeting yesterday in omaha uh, and it was it was talking about um uh, thriving as a community and and how people thrive in a community and the church's role in that so, kind of that overarching picture. Trauma is just a piece in that. Uh, but the statistics were that in in the community, um, it's over forty percent of people who've experienced trauma at some point in their life. Mm. And uh, there's, I would say, there's a probably a lot less of those people who've actually received help and ministry uh, to deal with those trauma issues um, later that can come back up later in life. And so that's just one of the pieces. Uh, that comes into a, a larger picture of, of what is it that uh, Jesus is building for his church and how do we, how do we minister to the community around us? How do we love our neighbor as ourself? And uh, you know, we're called to be salt and light. So we have that responsibility of of the, the calling the Lord has given us as the church. So we're wanting to develop in the future, some of those uh, resources and trainings and areas where we might be able to uh, be, be able to help the church and different congregations and in the city uh, be able to
1: minister well. That's great. Uh, Thanks so much for being here today, Jason. Appreciate it. Thank Uh, you. Jason Kirsch here, Nebraska Christian Leaders Forum Facilitator. Uh, Great to have you today listening along, and I leave you saying, as I always do to think about it and talk about it. See you next week.